You're listening to Secrets of Data Analytics Leaders. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Secrets of Analytical Leaders. My name is Wayne Eckerson, your host for the show. Today, we're going to look at non-traditional uses of business intelligence tools. Although BI tools have been around for almost three decades, most companies just scratch the surface of what's possible to do with them. To help us sort through the reality and potential of BI tools is Matthew Schwartz, the Chief Technology Officer of Sage Hospitality, one of the world's largest hotel operators. Although Matt is responsible for all aspects of Sage's IT operations, he has a deep fondness for data and analytics, having served as a BI director for several companies, including PetSmart and Staples. Matt firmly believes in the power of BI tools to transform organizations. Welcome to the show, Matt. Thanks, Wayne, for having me. Excited to be here. Well, great. Let's dive right in. Uh, why don't you start by giving us a bit more information about Sage and what you do for them? Sage Hospitality has been around for 35 years as a privately held company headquartered in Denver, Colorado. We manage hotels and restaurants across the continental U.S., so there are a lot of hotels that are owned or managed by the major brands, uh, but there are also hotels that we manage for those brands. Tell us a little bit more about what you do for them. As Chief Technology Officer for Sage, I lead all aspects of IT. So whether that's applications, infrastructure, business intelligence, project management, cybersecurity, it's really everything at the property level that has a plug or a battery, be it a TV, an alarm clock, a phone, guest internet, reservation system, credit card systems, et cetera. And then here at the home office, everything that you'd expect from IT at the corporate level, from email to telephony, networking, uh, desktop support, et cetera. I know that you have a, a love for BI and, and uh, analytics. Uh, so I, <laughs> I have to ask, what's it like to take on all these other non-analytic uh, capabilities as CTO? It's been a really fun challenge, Wayne. To your point, most of my background has been in retail and hospitality, leading business intelligence teams. And with the addition of some of these other areas of responsibility, be it cybersecurity, be it infrastructure and networking, uh, it's been a really fun challenge to learn about those various disciplines and look for opportunities to really help the company do well in those areas be it a migration to cloud or mobile or something else. Oh, terrific. But let's drill down on BI, because that's our, our topic for today, uh, and in particular, BI tools. Uh, what would you say are the alternative ways that you at Sage are using BI tools today? Sure, so most of the, the listeners that are out there, when you think about business intelligence, you're thinking about data, using BI tools to help make data-driven decisions. And we have our fair share of business intelligence applications at Sage that do the same thing, KPIs, dashboards, email alerts, visualizations, et cetera. But we also looked at business intelligence as a way to address some of our non-data application needs. And I have three case studies I'm prepared to share with you today, Wayne. Great. Well, go for it. Sure. The first one is in our intranet. So we had an intranet that was custom built in Drupal, so a web-based application uh, that really had your traditional, what are the various departments in the company, the org charts, 
um, you know, some of the things you may want to know about that department, you know, be it finance, IT, human resources, et cetera. And then we had a synergistic or collaborative environment in Microsoft SharePoint that held a lot of the documents, be they standard operating procedures or SOPs, forms, for example, in human resources uh, and other areas like that. And what we saw was we could leverage our BI tool in conjunction with box.com, which we use for file storage or cloud-based file storage and replace the entire existing infrastructure. So since rolling this application out, um, we've displaced SharePoint, we've displaced the Drupal intranet site and basically, we have one web page now that all of our associates across the company can go to. And what, they're, what they see is a web page that has little chiclets or icons for each of the shared service areas. IT, HR, finance, accounting, marketing, sales, et cetera. And when you click on those icons, it then does a deep drill into box.com for you to see all the forms and SOPs and other related materials. And what we found is that many folks really weren't looking at the org structure, here's what the finance team does, type material or type content. And that's the content that people weren't keeping up to date anyway, whether it's events or photos of the team or whose birthday it was, et cetera. Really what people wanted were those forms and SOPs and other documents that were relevant. And by using the BI tool to create a web front end into box.com, we were able to leverage our existing investments in box and our existing investments in our BI tool. Once again, nothing to do with data. So, so does that mean you use the filtering capabilities of BI tool to allow people to get exactly what they wanted right away? Or was there another reason for the BI tool? The BI tool, if you think about what a BI tool does well, you have a web app and a web component, you have a data component, uh, there's, you know, there's a database component, uh, you may have write back functionality, you have visualization. And so really what we wanted was a web-based front end to box.com. That's probably the simplest way to describe it. And we said, hey, you know, we could build this in our BI tool. We have a web server as part of our BI tool. What if we built a web page, AKA a report, and instead of that report having a set of filters or graphs or a grid of data, what if it had a series of icons? And each of those icons has an HTML link, a deep link into box.com, no login required. And that deep link would basically take you to the folder structure in box.com based on the icon you clicked on. So if you click on the human resource icon on the web uh, based BI report, it's going to do a deep, deep drill into the HR folder in box.com. And what the end users presented with is a folder for forms and documents and a folder for standard operating procedures. So is the BI tool actually querying the different files and folders in box.com to get exactly what the user wants? No, it's, sim it's simply, a front -end, simply a front end navigation into box.com. And that allowed us to replace the whole intranet. That became our internet. So I guess I was going to ask if the BI tools overkill for this. Um, aren't there like simpler to use internet tools rather than the BI tool? There may be, but part of our goal is to leverage our existing investments and try to find more uses for those investments. It's easy in IT to spend money on additional, you know, software packages that are out there, be they SaaS based, off the shelf, et cetera. 
but we were trying to leverage and we said, hey, we, we've made these investments in our BI tools. How else can we use them? And we started looking at where are there opportunities around our company. And the internet was the first one that came to mind because, like I said, that Drupal intranet site we had was not well supported, not well used. Uh, it was prone to going down. And we said, hey, if we could use our BI tool for that, no additional cost, no additional licensing cost, why not? Okay, so more reliable, less cost overall. So, okay, that makes sense. Uh, what are the other two cases? Sure, the next case is in what we call our new user request form. So every company has some onboarding process that they use for new associates. Someone starts, and traditionally you'll have a workflow, uh, something you may find in an application like ServiceNow or Remedy Ticketing System that says, hey, Wayne is a new business intelligence developer. He's joining Sage Hospitality. He needs a computer. He needs application. To, he needs access to these applications. He needs access to these uh, maybe folders in the file folder system. Uh, he needs an email address. He needs a phone number. He needs a credit card. You know, there's a long checklist done from an onboarding perspective. And once again, instead of using another set of tools like a ServiceNow, like a Remedy, we said we could use our BI tool for this. So we created, a, a once again, a web front end, a BI report that allows someone to go in, put in a new employee, you choose the location they're in and the department they're in, and then that does the SQL call back to the database where we have a lookup table that basically says, if Wayne's a business intelligence developer at the Sage headquarter building, he should, someone at that title and that location should get these applications or access to these things. And then that presents itself to the manager uh, on the screen. So it does the SQL call, presents back, hey, here's the standard set of things that someone like Wayne would get. You have the opportunity to edit those things. You also have the opportunity to enter in notes. So there is a write back functionality. And when you have submit, when you hit the submit button as the manager of that new employee, commands go out to all the affected parties. So if Wayne now needs access to a financial system, an alert will go out to the financial system administrator to say, hey, there's this new employee, Wayne. He's a business intelligence developer. Here's the level of access Wayne needs. Here's his start date. So all of that communication is automated out to all of those various administrators who'd be helping as part of that onboarding process. Wow, that's, that's really very interesting. Uh, can any BI tool do this for a company or do you have one in particular that where this works really well for these types of use cases? We use MicroStrategy for in this specific application, but I think many BI tools on the market today, if they have that web layer, you know, web-based report that you could make available to your end users, as long as they have the ability to send out email alerts, as long as it has the ability to do the write back for the notes and include that in those email alerts, there are many BI tools on the market that could accomplish the same thing. And once again, it's all about leveraging your existing investments. You know, it's, it's the same car I drive to and from work is the same car I use when I do a family vacation and a road trip. I don't typically rent a separate car. Uh, so it's all about saying, hey, I've already made this investment in this asset. That asset's depreciating on my books. The more I can leverage it, the better. Great. So now you've really piqued my interest in the third case. Why don't you tell us what that's about? So the third case is a really interesting one. When we surveyed our hotel and restaurant leaders and said, 
what can we do to materially improve the experience you have at Sage? There was a consistent piece of feedback we got, and that piece of feedback was, don't create a lot of noise for us during the work week, right? So if you think about a hotel specifically, a hotel is open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. If you think about the town you live in, you know, here, here's a little thing I do if I'm out at a bar and I challenge someone and say, try to name 10 buildings in your town that are open 24-7 by 365. And folks usually come back with police station, hospital, bus station, train station. Maybe they live near an airport. Maybe they have an all-night diner or a gas station or a grocery store. But it's really hard to come up with 10 buildings. Well, a hotel, when it's open, it never closes, right? And so if you're a leader of a hotel, you're, you're on, on duty all the time. In particular, during the, the Monday to Friday work week, you're really on duty. And if there's anything we can do to reduce the noise that's coming from the headquarters to those hotel leaders that are out at the property trying to work through employee issues and guest issues and provide an excellent experience for all the guests and employees, if we could find a way to do that, that'd be awesome. And so what we said was, let's look at how many emails we're sending to these leaders throughout the week. And these emails come from various shared service functions. I and IT may send an email out saying, hey, we have an application upgrade going on, or here's a new cybersecurity alert that we want to make you aware of. You know, someone in HR may be saying, hey, open enrollment's going to be happening soon, or here's a new employee benefit. Someone in finance may be saying something like, don't forget to get your forecast in this month, or here's a new line item to budget for. And so when you start aggregating all of these emails coming from the headquarter building, to the individual leaders, it may be 30, 40, 50 emails a week. And these folks are trying to do their DJ job, trying to provide a great experience for the guests and associates. And here we are at the headquarters just inundating them with a lot of noise. So what we did is we said, hey, could we leverage our BI tool to create a weekly email update? And what we do is once again, we created a report or a web form uh, online where people go to submit content. And it's really simple. There's a subject line, and think of that as what would have been the subject line of your email. You choose the distribution list, and just like an Outlook, if I was going to send it to all of the general managers of the hotels or I was going to send it to all of the directors of HR at the hotels, I would choose the same type of distribution list. I would then insert my content, and that content can be uh, HTML text. It can have underlines and hot links and things like that. Um, and you put that information in a text box, and then where you would have attachments in your email, those are now linksinbox.com because we're really trying to get away from emailing attachments in our company. So where an attachment would be in a traditional email, you insert a link to box.com if that was a, a certain file or a photo or something else you wanted to share. So you have your subject line, you have your rich content, you have what would be your attachments or your box links, you pick your distribution list, and you hit submit. That information then gets queued up in the database. It's right back functionality from the BI tool perspective. It just writes to this, we have a SQL Server database that that writes to. And then on Sunday afternoons, we have a query that runs. It aggregates all of that content, creates a unique email, like a one-page email, if you will, where it inserts in all those little content blurbs. And then it just sends it out to the respective distribution list that was selected. That is pretty cool, very cool. Uh, well, those are three imaginative ways of uh, getting more out of your BI uh, tool, more bang for your buck, so to speak. 
So you obviously are a BI connoisseur. Uh, things have changed in the space in many ways, in some ways not. Maybe you could just, uh, for the audience, uh, review what you see as the strengths and weaknesses of BI tools today. Sure. I'm extremely bullish on BI. I have been a long time, Wayne. And, you know, I think back 10, 15 years ago when I was doing a lot of work in the retail space, you know, whether it was for Staples or PetSmart. And back then, it was really a speed to answer problem we were trying to solve. You know, we would come in on a Monday morning and we would say, oh, sales are off from the forecast or the budget. Where is it off? And you had folks in the merchandising organization that would immediately think to drill down by say, category and subcategory or vendor or supplier. Maybe they'd go all the way down to the individual product SKU. You had folks uh, in the sales organization typically who would start looking at more of a geographic base. You know, is it off in the eastern region or the western region? Which state, which county, which store? Uh, and then you had other folks that would, you know, want to drill down by other ways. But it was a speed to market. It was you could come in on a Monday morning with that type of observation and you could figure out, oh, wait a minute, we're down in this category with this vendor, with these set of SKUs in this store, and that's really what's driving the, the miss. And it was really a speed-to-market type issue. And I think, you know, that's traditionally where BI has been. Um, where I think BI has evolved to is, you know, that same speed-to-market is now accomplished with visualizations, you know, products like Tableau, for example, uh, or QuickView. And you can get to those same, you know, whether it's an anomaly detection or getting to that same deep level, you know, what's wrong really quickly. What used to be a bunch of drawdowns is now accomplished by a lot of visualizations. But I think what's still lacking in the BI world is what I'm going to call the proactive why. And so using that same scenario, you know, where I was hoping that BI would evolve to is that if I come in on a Monday morning and I see there's a, a miss to the forecast or the budget in sales and I'm drilling down, I want to know why. You know, it may be a certain product. That's where the miss happened. But why did the miss happen? You know, was there a supply chain snafu? You know, did a truck not make it out of the distribution center? Uh, was it not shelved properly where we had in the, in the retail planogram? You know, was the marketing content not done correctly? And this is information that lives in a lot of disparate systems across the, across the organization, be it a, a CRM system where you're detailing notes you have with your suppliers, be it in a supply chain system, maybe it's in a sales system or some other customer service system. And I was really hoping that we'd get to a point where you'd come in and you'd say, hey, here's the sales miss. Here's why we're having the sales miss. And on top of that, take it to the next level. There's a lot of institutional knowledge that lives in all the associates you have in your company. You typically have seen a lot of these problems and misses before. You know how you've solved for them in the past. Maybe it's an associate issue. Maybe it's a certain supplier issue. Well, I'd want that information to surface as well and say, hey, here's this issue with the supplier. That's why, you know, the where we had the miss was this product category why we had the miss was this item didn't make the truck in time from the distribution center and then proactively pop up on the screen and here's the number to call to help solve that or here are the people you need to reach out to to make sure this doesn't happen again and give me their contact information pull up the notes from the last time we spoke etc yeah that's interesting that's like a whole i don't know if that's a bi issue as, as much as a data issue right and the data is very different it's more of a tacit knowledge maybe it's 
Maybe you're talking about, you know, the tribal knowledge or knowledge management uh, and how, uh, actually I was talking to somebody this week about how BI and knowledge management need to come together. Uh, and maybe, maybe that's the kind of thing that could help what you're talking about here. A lot of that tribal knowledge, Wayne, lives in un what we've been talking about is unstructured data for the last decade, right? Whether it was Hadoop or some other file store type system, you know, a lot of this unstructured data, whether it's in emails or various files we have, Excel, PowerPoint, Word, et cetera, uh, phone conversations we've had, webinars we've hosted, a lot of the content lives out there in, in our various file systems, be they cloud-based, you know, Box, Dropbox, or you know, physical file servers. And I would have thought over the last decade as we've been talking about leveraging unstructured data and marrying that data with structured, you know, SQL-driven data, that we would have found a way to marry all those things together. The items I talked about earlier, I believe exist in every organization. We just haven't in the BI world found a great way to meld all these things together into a coherent, prescriptive, here's why XYZ happened and here's what you as the, as the employee should be doing about it. And the should be doing about it is really leveraging that tribal knowledge because that makes it really easy as employees come and go in an organization to say, hey, we've, we've encountered this issue before. Here's how we solved it in the past. Or here's how you may want to think about going ahead and trying to troubleshoot that in the future. You know, another way to solve this is to turn BI into a decisioning system where you're capturing the decisions that you made with the BI tool, which doesn't happen very often. And if you can capture those decisions, what was what decision was made and what was the outcome? Well, then all you need to do is, uh, you know, run an AI tool against that that data. And over time, as you accumulate more data, the tool will be smart enough to recommend uh, solutions based on history. Right. But someone has to capture, you know, what was the problem? What was the answer? And did it work? Exactly. In the hotel space. You know, if I come in and I'm seeing that I'm missing on what we call our rate, our average daily rate, you know, I, I should have been pricing a room at 199 Instead, I priced it at 179 You know, the system then records that I go in and proactively change the pricing. So a lot of those decisions, I agree with you 100%, Wayne, a lot of those decisions that we make every day in our organizations are recorded somehow because they're either manual or automated byproducts. Right, we come in, we make an observation, a BI tool helps us make that observation, and then we take action. And those actions are often done in other technologies. So there's a log of that decision and the actions that we took as a result of that decision out there. And what I'm implying is and suggesting is that we should find a way to leverage those logs, leverage those, you know, the recording, if you will, of those actions that are based on the decisions and find a way to meld that back to the data. So as we're incurring or experiencing the observation, let's marry on, hey, here's what we've done in the past and here's what we recommend as a starting point for the future. So we've talked a little bit about how Sage is using BI in alternative ways, imaginative ways, um, really fascinating. But uh, in general, for the standard use of BI, does Sage view it as a strategic asset for the company? Definitely. From an IT perspective, we look at every application we use in the company and we rate those applications as one of three descriptors. Either the application is important, critical, or strategic. 
And I'll give you an example of each. An important application may be the SaaS-based application we use for doing associate engagement surveys. They go out once a quarter or once a month. It's web-based. If it goes down for a week, most people will never notice. Not the end of the world. A critical application may be our general ledger. It may be email. Uh, it's critical, but it's really not strategic. Strategic applications are ones that are truly differentiating. They help our sales team win new deals. They differentiate us from our competitor. And so if I go back to critical for a second, no one's going to choose Sage versus one of our competitors because we use Microsoft Great Plains for General Ledger and someone else uses Oracle Financials. Or we use Outlook 365 or Office 365 for email and someone else uses Google G Suite. But when you have a differentiating type application, someone may choose Sage because we're the only ones who have it. You know, it's proprietary to what we do. And so if you look at BI, what we're doing today is a lot of, you know, block and tackle BI, KPIs, alerts, like every other organization is doing. We've since evolved to leveraging BI for what I'll call non-data applications, the use cases we talked about earlier. And where I think we can still evolve to is this future world where we say, we view BI as a strategic differentiator to the company. Where are those areas where we can really leverage BI to, com to create compelling proprietary differentiators? And there's a couple examples that we're working on that I'm happy to share. Well, go ahead. So the first is in the area of labor management. So if you think about the employment rate in the U.S., it's very low from historical context. If you think about minimum wage requirements, you know, minimum wage is typically increasing across the U.S. So labor is an issue. And labor is also the number one expense driver of any hotel, right? Very labor-intensive process. And so anything we can do to help manage labor better would be great. It's a way to improve profitability for our company, for us and the owners of our hotels. And so what we're working on is a proprietary labor management system built using our BI tools as a, the foundational layer with a lot of institutional knowledge coded into uh, the tool, if you will. Uh, and that's an area where we can say, hey, if we have this standalone labor management tool, it's proprietary to Sage, that becomes a strategic differentiator. And someone may choose Sage versus a competitor because we can manage labor better than our competitors. Uh, that's interesting. Now, are you using uh, the BI tool out of the box to create that custom analytic application? Or are you scripting to an API? Or are you embedding the analytics in another app? How, how is that actually working for that application in particular? Sure. In this particular case, uh, we're using an off-the-shelf BI tool, but we've heavily customized it with a lot of the industry-specific and institutional-type knowledge I mentioned before um, to really help the tool respond to real-world scenarios. So there's a set of reports that the end, end user will see, but there's also a set of inputs that need to be put in, and a lot of those inputs are observations that our hotel staff make on the ground in the hotel on a daily basis, things that we can't tell from another computer system, things that they can only tell in person, in real life, in real time. As they update those inputs, the system makes real-time decisions on, based on what you've said, here's what we recommend the labor profile to be by job code, by time of day, et cetera. Uh, you mentioned you had another app that you're building with BI? Sure. 
So two other examples. The next one is we're building an employee-facing mobile app. So once again, where strategic applications really add a lot of value are in areas where you can either in help increase revenue or sales, decrease expenses or costs, improve the associate experience, improve the customer experience. And our employee app is an area where we thought, hey, here's an opportunity to improve the associate experience. So we're leveraging our BI tool, once again, leveraging an existing investment to build an employee-facing mobile app that will help the employees at the various hotels and restaurants communicate with the associates at our headquarters. Any operation out there, be it retail or other industry, that operates in a hub-and-spoke type environment where there's lots of outlets, for example, retail outlets, and yet there's a headquarter or store support group type infrastructure would benefit from some kind of application that helps your thousands of associates that are out there in the front lines communicate back with the shared service functions that exist in the headquarters. Once again, a non-data driven use of BI. Oh, again, very imaginative. Um, before we end here today, I have to ask you the one uh, ultimate BI question that a lot of organizations struggle with, which is, do you think companies should standardize on one BI tool? So I think that's an interesting question, Wayne. I'm not sure the standardizing on one BI tool is really the goal. Um, I, I think if you as an organization make this decision to consciously say, I want BI to be a strategic differentiator for my company, and I'm going to go and look for ways to leverage BI to, to do what I talked about earlier, improve sales, reduce costs, improve the guest experience, improve the associate experience. Uh, if you're going to do that, then you need to select the tools that will help you do that. If that's two tools, if that's three tools, if that's what you need to accomplish the job, that's fine. On the other end of the spectrum, you know, a lot of large companies get to the situation where you may have 10 or 15 tools. That's not the right answer either. Uh, it's very hard to maintain. Uh, it's, it's very hard to kind of keep up, and it's also very expensive. And you don't want to be spending a lot of time trying to figure out, should I use tool A or tool B? Uh, so you want to pick what I'll call the minimum number of tools you need to accomplish uh, what you need, what you want to build for those strategic differentiators. Right. We usually talk about the need to have uh, different BI tools in different categories, uh, serving different types of users. Uh, but you've extended that by saying that maybe you need BI tools to, to do different business operations where they can help a sales team or a marketing team do what they do best. Right. We found that certain BI tools are really good for you know, basic PDF reporting or email alert reporting. And we found that other BI tools are really good where if we need right back to the database or in the case of mobile, and we really want to have a really good mobile app experience uh, or a mobile web-based experience. So every BI tool out there has its strengths and weaknesses, and we align those strengths and weaknesses to what we're trying to accomplish with the tool. Well, Matthew, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much, Wayne. Thanks for listening. If you like the podcast, please subscribe. If you want more content from business intelligence to data management to data science, browse to the Eckerson Group website at eckerson.com.